We're going to look this morning at that psalm we read together, Psalm 40, the opening verses of that psalm. I wonder whether you ever watched that TV program, 999. It ran for 11 years, and it reenacted dramatic rescues that had taken place. A group of boys, for instance, go climbing the cliff face at the seaside. One falls to the rocks below and is badly injured. He can't move. The tide is coming in fast. The rescuers can't reach him from the beach. The lifeboat can't reach him from the sea. So the helicopter comes in, and with nerves of steel, the pilot brings it to within inches of the cliff face. The winch man is lowered, and the boy is snatched away to safety. That was the kind of thing that was shown on the 999 program. It had uh, high audience ratings. People like to hear about dramatic rescues. I want to tell you this morning about a dramatic rescue. Every Christian knows about it. God has done a great rescue job in our lives. A rescue far more amazing than anything ever shown on TV. Once we were in terrible danger, but the Lord has rescued us and saved us. And I want to look with you at that rescue this morning. I can't think of anything better to do on the Lord's Day. If you're a Christian, you have been saved, and there's nothing more exciting to think about than that. If you're not a Christian, there is nothing more urgent for you to think about than the need to be rescued. Now David, who became the most famous king of Israel, describes this rescue in Psalm 40 verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Now David describes himself as being at the bottom of a pit. Obviously speaking poetic language, as far as we know, David was never in a literal pit. But in those days, muggers would attack a man, rob him of his money, and then throw him down a disused well shaft to die. It was an awful thing. And David takes hold of that picture and uses it to describe his spiritual condition before he became a believer. Down in a horrible, slimy pit. Can you think of anything more alarming than being trapped in a deep pit, a disused well shaft, the bottom of which is thick with slime and mud, and you can't get out. That's the picture that David uses to describe his state before he became a believer. And that's how you still are, my friend, if you are not a Christian. What does it mean in the slimy pit? It means, first of all, that before we became Christians, become Christians, 
We are dirty in the sight of God. The person who's fallen down or been thrown down a well shaft with a lot of mud at the bottom is bound to be dirty. And that's our spiritual condition if we're not Christians. Spiritually dirty, guilty, and defiled by sin. You may not like me for saying that, and I know how you feel. When someone told me way back in 1960 that I was dirty and guilty in the sight of God, I was very annoyed. Who does this fellow think he is describing me like that? But in my heart of hearts, I knew it was true. I'd broken God's law so many, many times, and so have we all. Not just blatant things like immorality and lust and filthy jokes and cursing and swearing and all the rest of it, but more subtle things like greed and jealousy and envy and pride and things like that and bitterness. I look back on my life before I became a Christian and it fills me with shame. And one of the things that changed me most is the bitterness that I had in my heart. I desperately wanted to go into the sixth form at the city of Norwich School, but my parents were so poor, they couldn't afford another school blazer, so I had to leave. My father worked hard to pay the rent to a crook of a landlord, and there was no money left for school clothes. I had to leave school and get some work, while all those kids from worthy backgrounds seemed to have it all handed to them on a plate. And I became very, very bitter. And in my bitterness, got in with a bad gang, a wild gang, and there I was, in the mud and the mire, slimy and dirty before God. And that's true of everyone by nature. You may not have done the things I did, but all of us, by nature, are guilty before God. Dirty and in danger. This person down in the Masami Maya at the bottom of the pit is in danger. He's sinking deeper and deeper into the mire, and if something doesn't happen, he'll just die there. He'll starve to death, or die of exposure, or just drown or choke in the mud. He's in terrible danger. And that's how we were before we became Christians. That is still the position of anyone who's not a Christian. In terrible danger. You see, this world is not all there is. This life is not all there is. One day, we've got to die. And it may be sooner than we think. And beyond death, there's the judgment of Almighty God. Beyond death, there's an eternity to be faced. An eternity to be faced either in heaven or in hell. And if you're not a Christian, when you come to die, it'll be an eternity in hell. You say, I don't believe such nonsense. 
Richard Dawkins doesn't believe it, neither do I. But really it matters very little what Richard Dawkins thinks. It matters very little what you think. The important thing is what God has said. And God has said he's appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Acts 17. He's appointed a day. It's fixed in God's diary when he will judge the world in righteousness. And every day you live, you're a day nearer that day of judgment which will determine your eternal destiny. Dirty and in danger. Then this poor fellow down the well shaft is not only dirty and in danger, he, she is desperate. In this sense, they're trapped and they can't save themselves. Up to their knees, up to their waist, in thick mud, it's got hold of them and they can't get out. That's how we were before we became Christians, trapped by sin, unable to save ourselves. I remember in the sad days before I became a Christian, I knew it was wrong to curse and swear so much. I knew it was wrong to lie and cheat and steal and do the other vile things I was doing. I tried hard to give that up and live a better life. But I couldn't. It had got me trapped. And the more I tried to lift myself out of the mud, the deeper I seemed to sink into it. And that's still the position of anybody who's not a Christian. In the grip of sin. Trapped. One of the biggest problems confronting Great Britain just now, the drug addiction, the rise in binge drinking, the collapse of morals, the rise in sexually transmitted diseases, the greed of the bankers, the number of people on the fiddle in business, in politics, the lust for pornography, the salacious craving people have to read about the lewd sex lives of footballers and film stars, this obnoxious pride and arrogance that you see displayed so often. It's all part of the sad business of being trapped in the pit and trapped in the mire and unable to get out. And often politicians announce some new measure to deal with these problems, but the fact is that many of them are trapped in sin as well. The underlying problem is that men and women are not only dirty in the sight of God, not only in danger, but also desperate. They cannot save themselves. You see this poor man down in the pit? There he is, trapped at the bottom. He can't get out. He's injured. He makes some desperate effort to try and scramble up the face of the pit shaft. But he can't make it. He may get up there a few inches, but then he slips back. He's in a desperate, desperate position. And that's a picture of the desperate hopelessness and helplessness 
of the non-Christian. My friend, if you're not a Christian, your position is desperate. You are totally unable to save yourselves. It is a sheer impossibility. Some religious people will tell you to do your best and try you to do, tell you to do your hardest and try your hardest. Turn over a new leaf, do your best. But that's like standing at the top of a pit shaft and telling the poor person down there to do his best to get out. Poor man, he can't. He's trapped in sin. <coughs> Well, that's the picture of the wretched, rotten state we were in before we became Christians. Those 999 programs began by describing the terrible position in which the victim was. The boy lying injured on the rocks. The man trapped in that burning building. You wouldn't understand the dramatic nature of the rescue until you realized the desperate plight the victim was in. Well, David has given us a vivid picture of the spiritual plight of those who are not Christians. Down an old, slimy well shaft, in the mire, dirty, in danger, desperate, totally unable to save themselves. But now having seen the pictures of the wretched state we were in, we can now see the rescue. The Lord has rescued us. David says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. And if we are Christians, we can say those words. God has rescued us. And if you become a Christian this morning, you'll be able to say, God has rescued me. God rescued me that Sunday morning in Ladyfield Chapel in Chippenham. That would be wonderful. Let's look at the rescue. He has rescued us from the grip of sin. There we were down in the mire. It had us trapped. It was dragging us down. We tried hard to get free. Oh, the resolutions we've made. Sunday after Sunday, I used to go to church. Sunday after Sunday, I vowed I'd live a better life. I tried to pull myself up out of the pit. I went to the kind of church where the minister told us to do that. Pull yourself up by your own bootlaces. Poor man, he didn't know how deep the pit was, nor how helpless I was. I couldn't get out. But one day I heard a preacher who struck a different note. He told me of someone who had the power to lift me out of the pit. What a day that was. Never a more wonderful day in my life. It was like being lifted out of a pit. And the Lord can do the same for you. Are you gripped by sin? Pride, maybe? Selfishness, maybe. Greed, maybe. Jealous moods, bad language, a bitter, envious spirit, lust, immorality. Are you stuck fast in the mud? You've tried hard to lift yourself out, but you can't do it. Well, 
it is my privilege to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ can set you free. He's got the power to do so. It's a wonderful thing. Then he has rescued us, not only from the grip of sin, but from the guilt of sin. There we were, guilty, defiled and dirty because of sin. But the Lord has saved us from that. He's washed away all our guilt and shame. All that filthy, slimy pride and envy and jealousy and selfishness. All those years of ignoring God and living for self, God has washed away all the guilt of that. We're not perfect by any means, far from it, but God no longer holds our guilt against us. And again, it's my privilege this morning to tell you, if you're not a Christian, that the Lord is able to do the same for you. No matter what you've done, no matter how low you've sunk, God is able, God is willing to cleanse you from all the guilt and shame of sin. Then, of course, as Christians, we've been rescued from perishing. We've been rescued from danger. We've been rescued from certain doom. David puts all of that in this dramatic way. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. The Lord has saved us. And can I tell you how he did that? Did you notice what David said? He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Some Bible versions have a slightly different translation, and I think a better translation. He brought me up out of the horrible pit. He brought me up out of the horrible pit. David doesn't say, he told me how to get myself out. No. He doesn't even say, he pulled me up out of the pit. No, he brought me up out of the pit. And the picture there is of the rescuer going down into the pit, being lowered down the well shaft, taking hold of the poor helpless victim and bringing him up. That's a wonderful picture of what the Lord did to rescue us. He came down from heaven into this filthy pit of sin. He came down the well shaft. Now in the New Testament, you'll find that this 40th Psalm is applied to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 10 verse 5, this 40th Psalm is applied to the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming into this world. In other words, it tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ left heaven and came to this foul, sinful world. He came down into the pit in order to rescue us. Most other religions stand at the top of the well and shout instructions down to you. They tell us to try harder. They tell us to be more religious. They tell us to do more good works. They tell us to try our best. They stand at the top of the well shaft and shout these instructions down to us. 
Go to church more. Go to the temple more. Go to the mosque more. Do more good works. Do more good deeds. Try your best. Try your hardest. Get out of the pit yourself. The minister of that church I went to every Sunday was like that. He stood at the top of the pit where I was, shouting instructions down to me to try harder, do better. I couldn't do it. But the wonder of Christianity is this. The Lord Jesus Christ left heaven and came to this world. I say it very reverently, God load him down into this pit. And how he suffered when he was lowered into this pit. Any rescuer going down this disused well shaft to rescue someone gets injured, gets bruised, gets battered as he gets crushed against the side. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ got bruised and injured as he came down into this world to deal with our sin. He did not sin himself, but he took upon himself our sin. All my slimy, horrible sin was put on him, and he bore the punishment of it because of that. He was bruised. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's what David says. He brought me up out of the mighty pit. He came down from heaven. He came down to this pit of sin and he took hold of me and rescued me and lifted me up. That's what Christ has done for those of us who are Christians. He came into this world. He came down this pit. He was bruised, he was crushed, he was injured, he was wounded. He died to bear the punishment of our sins in order to rescue us. But thank God the Lord has done more for us than that. He's not only rescued us from danger, he has put us in a very safe and secure position. David says, he set my feet upon a rock. He set my feet upon a rock. If you bring someone up out of a filthy pit where they've been trapped for days, then you must take very great care of them when you get them out. They'll be very unsteady, very weak. So you must stand them on a nice, firm piece of ground and support them. So this phrase is telling us that the Lord has not only rescued people like us from an alarming plight, he has put us in a place of safety and security. A position where we enjoy all his care and protection and support. That's our position as Christians. Although we are saved, we're still very weak people. Sometimes we're a bit shaky. Although we are saved, we're still weak. Even the best of Christians go through times in their lives when they feel very, very shaky. Trials come. Difficulties come. Heartaches come. If we were left to ourselves, we would slip and stumble and fall back down the pit. 
But the Lord has rescued us from that. And more than that, he's put our feet on a rock. A firm, safe place. There have been times when, like a fool, I've drifted away from him and have gone perilously near the edge again. But he has kept me safe. But more than that, in that phrase in verse 2, he gave me a firm place to stand, there's a suggestion that he has set our feet, our steps, in the right direction. One version says, he has established my steps. He's put my feet in the right direction. If you bring someone up out of a pit, they'll be a bit confused for a while. They've been down there. They've been without food. Uh, they're a bit dazed. They're a bit confused. So you need to point them in the right direction. And that's the picture here. The Lord has rescued us from the pit. He's put us in a safe place. But more than that, He's put us in the right direction. In other words, he's put us in the direction of heaven. Once we were down in that awful pit, in terrible danger, he's rescued us from that. He's brought us up, and he's put our feet facing in the right direction, and we're now on the way to heaven. That can happen to you today, my friend, if you're not a Christian. The Lord can rescue you and put you in the right direction, going towards heaven. And one further thing the Lord does for us, he puts a new song into our mouths, a hymn of praise to our God. Now those 999 emergency rescue programs, they often ended uh, with an interview with the rescued person. As you would expect, the rescued victim was so pleased, so delighted, so full of praise, how marvelous the fire brigade were, how marvelous the ambulance men were, how marvelous the lifeboat crew were, full of praise for those who rescued them. And in the same way, those of us are Christians. The Lord has put a new song of joy and gladness and thanksgiving into our hearts. Oh, that we had more joy. Oh, that we praised him more. He's rescued us from sin and shame. He saved us from an alarming situation and put our feet in the right direction. Oh, that we had more joy. More jo we should be singing, Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like me his praise should sing. We sang earlier, In Christ alone my hope is found. Here's my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, 
Here in the love of Christ I stand. My friend, have you been rescued from the guilt and grip of sin? If you have, praise God. Sing this new song. Seek to show that you've been rescued. Did you notice what David says? He put a new song into my mouth. Many will see it. Many will see it. Can people see that you and I have been rescued and that we're full of praise to Almighty God for saving us? If you haven't been rescued, cry out to the Lord. That's what David did. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Literally, waiting, I waited for the Lord. And he turned to me and heard my crying. David realized he was in dire straits. He realized that only the Lord could save him. He realized the only option he had was to cry to the Lord. And he heard my cry. And he saved me. My friend, if you're not a Christian, realize that you're in dire straits. Realize that your only hope is the Lord and cry to him. If I may say it reverently, dial 999. Cry to him for help. If you like, use the words of our last hymn, we'll sing in a little while. The author, Augustus Toplady, they say, was walking through Burlington Coombe in Somerset and was caught in a violent storm and he sheltered in the cleft of a rock and that inspired him to write the hymn, Rog of Ages. That's the title for the Lord Jesus Christ. Rog of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. That's your problem. Not only the guilt of sin, but the power of sin. Guilt and grip. That's your big problem. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill your law's demands. Could my zeal no respite? No. Could my tears forever flow? All for sin cannot atone. You must save. And you alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked Come to you for dress, helpless, look to you for grace, foul, I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. Now there's some doubt about uh, Augustus in Barrington Coombe, but let me tell you of a man who did cry out like that. In Barrington Coombe, there's an inscription engraved on the rock, informing passers-by about that hymn. Now that inscription was done, was carved by Orlando Dennis, a first-class stonemason. Had a very prosperous business. He used to go to Florence and Venice and Rome advising people on the upkeep of these famous historic buildings. He had a very good business. 
but he was invited to carve this inscription to Augustus Toplady in Burlington. He's not very pleased with the work because the local authority made him do it on the wrong kind of CERN. But there it was. He did it. Then um, he was an elder of a church in Cleveland. A church where they didn't preach the gospel. The elder of the United Reformer Church in Cleveland. But one Sunday, he came to a church where the gospel was preached. Out of sheer curiosity, he came to find out more about this other church in the town. And he heard a message about sin. And he heard a message about the Lord Jesus Christ being the one and only Savior. And he was very, very angry, furious. Refused to shake my hand at the door. Storm passed. Furiously angry. Who dare speak to me about sin and my need of salvation? Just a few weeks later, Orlando Dennis collapsed in terrible pain in the hallway of his house. He thought he was dying. And he was scared. He cried out to the Lord as he lay on the floor. And he said, Lord, if what that preacher said is true, if you are the only person who can forgive me and save me, if you're the only person who can save vile sinners, then please, please, please have mercy on me. Then he quoted the hymn that he'd become familiar with through carving that inscription. Nothing in my hand I bring. And he had a lot of money, a lot of money. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. And the Lord heard his cry. And Orlando Dennis became a Christian as he lay on the hall floor in his own house. Because he'd seen his sin. He'd seen his desperate state. And he'd seen that Jesus Christ could save him. A few months later, Augustus, uh, 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 Orlando Dennis died and went to heaven. My friend, are you rescued? Are you saved? Has the Lord brought you up out of the horrible pit? Has he set your feet on a rock? Has he put you facing the right direction? If he hasn't, plead with him to do so today. And he'll hear your cry and he'll save you.